Hey, Redeem family, I want to start off today with an important question. Have you ever found yourself in a content bender? Now, you may be wondering what I'm talking about, but what I'm talking about is this time where you're just glued to the couch and you're watching Netflix, you're watching YouTube, and you lose all track of time. You don't remember when you started or even what time it is. Maybe you even don't know what day it is, but you just get into this content loop, this content bender. I want to make the case today that the Netflix app is one of the most dangerous things ever invented. So to age me a little bit, I want to talk about how the world has changed since I was a kid. So many of you uh, might be older than me and maybe you have a different experience or younger and you may be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But I started watching TV when I had to get up and change the channel for my dad, right? I was the, I was the kid remote as you remember. Then they started this remote where it was like, hey, I'm going to be tethered to the TV and that's just going to give you like another like three feet, but it really wasn't that, that impressive. And then we go straight on remote with no wire, change your life. And now fast forward to where we had Blockbuster and you're going and on your whole way there, you're just praying, please let them have the video that I want. Please let them have the video that I want. And then you're living in this constant anxiety of like, man, am I going to deliver this and return this in time so I don't have to pay the extra $2.50? Then we go into this Netflix, right, where they mail you a DVD and the whole day you're thinking, man, I hope that my new episodes of Lost come in so I can just sit there and enter into this content bender. Then comes this next Netflix app. And Netflix app is really funny because there's like this five seconds of death. And the five seconds of death is that you just finish your last episode and you have only five seconds to make a life-changing decision on will you watch the next thing. And, and you get in a fight with your wife or your husband and your friends and you're just like, dude, it's 11.15. If I hit next, I'll be in bed before 12, but I really need to get some sleep because I got a busy day tomorrow. And before you know it, boom, the next episode's already started and it doesn't matter. And you find yourself in this content bender. Megan and I did this with Friday Night Lights when the, first, uh, when the Netflix app first came out. And we're sitting there and we start at 10 a.m. and by 3 p.m. we have just sat there and we are just like in zone. And I set up and I was like, what is happening, Meg? We have to get ourselves out of this. But I want to just make the case that we are in a world of content overload. Now, one of the most important conversations that I think I'll ever have is with a friend who uh, she's from Africa and she grew up in Africa, but she's raising her kids here in the United States. And I was asking her about the differences of the way she grew up and how she's raising her kids. And she said that it's actually harder here because of distraction. It's hard for her to show them the good and the bad. She said it's easier for them to be deceived. Now, uh, there's no time for them to self-reflect or even better yet, to reflect in community. And so she said, you know, she misses those times where they would just sit around and talk about things. And, and we used to have that here where we'd sit in that front porch, perch, front porch sitting. If you're from a place of the South or even the Midwest where we would just spend time reflecting on our lives. And we are not doing that anymore. We are now faced with micro decisions on consuming content that is shaping who we are becoming. So we're all getting content pushed to us at an alarming rate. I did this and I, and I challenge you right now, pull out a pen and a, a piece of paper and I want you to make an inventory and a list for yourself on what you have consumed this week. So just a couple things for me. I've had three uh, YouTube videos texted to me and two of them were funny. So if you sent me a YouTube text, I'll, I'll, you can decide on which ones uh, were yours. But 
Uh, Meg and I went on a mini Netflix bender on the Great British Bake Off. I, I don't know. I love the show. I can't help it. It's, it's probably embarrassing, but we went on a little Netflix bender this week. I, I listened to like five or six of my normal podcasts where Apple's uh, pushing those notifications. You can find this sermon on Apple Podcasts. A little plug there. Uh, I got sent three articles to check out, right? To, to read about and to, and to learn about. And then I'm on Twitter more than I should be. I had 10 DMs on Instagram, which three of them were telling me to go look at something, a piece of content. And then we have our Google Home where Spotify's on almost 24-7. And Meg and I are talking about that. This is a sermon that's good for all of us, but I'm speaking to Meg and I as well. Because oftentimes we're not intentional on what we're listening to, or maybe more importantly, what it's doing to us. So here are a couple facts about what consuming digital media in particular is doing to us. So there's studies that say it might be affecting our empathy. According to one study, distractions could make it more difficult for us to experience deep emotions. This kind of culture of constant distraction undermines our attentiveness to deep thoughts, but it also affects and leads to, to us not being able to have deep connections with other people. I think that's very, very important for us as Christians to understand that it's actually affecting the way that we connect with people. It may also lead to a decrease in cognitive control. So some studies suggest that heavy digital media uh, helps us, uh, not only makes us lose attention, but it also helps, uh, it also affects the way and the ability to control our mind on what we're actually thinking about. One researcher from Stanford pointed out that the more we uh, kind of become accustomed to technology the, and the constant flow of information that comes through, it seems that we are less able to really understand what we're supposed to focus on. And the third one, and if you talk to any of our counselor friends out there, that it's also affecting our attitudes. Hundreds of clinical studies show that the screens are increasing depression, anxiety, and even aggressiveness. So now hopefully we've established that we are in a place of content overload, and that's probably not a good thing for what, what it's doing to us. So what I want us to keep in mind as we continue this series in Colossians is we want to look at what Paul says about um, how we are allowing content to affect us. Now, we're going to go into Colossians 2, and there's a shift that's happening here from our previous uh, sermons. And that shift is that Paul is going to start talking about philosophical arguments and deceit that he knows that the Colossians are facing at that time. And looking into this, there's a couple things going on. One, this is, this is a place where polytheism would, would be talked about and the practices and the outside influences would be influencing the church. But also, there's an influence of some type that seems to be putting extra rules and regulation and false teaching into the church. Now, my feelings are that if this, is, if that, this was happening then, that it's probably happening in some way now. And that we have to be aware of this as with more and more content and opportunities to fill our lives with things that are not pointing to God, the more likely we are to, like Paul is warning the Colossians, we are more at risk of having things move us away from God. So what does Paul say about that? We're going to open up Colossians 2, 1 through 8, and we're going to read that. Um, and I'm using the ESV. Um, many of you use NIV, which is fine. 
ESV just has a lot of language that I think gets the point across more. And so I'm reading out an ESV. So read along with me. Colossians 2, 1 through 8. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. In whom, all are, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, uh, this is just a little side note that, that preaching on, uh, on anything that Paul writes is, is challenging because there's a lot there. In each line, you could actually make almost a whole sermon around. But there's three things that I want to talk about in light of what we just talked about in this idea of content overload. The first is that during this time, we are called to be part of the story of building up each other in faith, and we need to be in relationship and have people deeply caring for us. So listen to the language that Paul uses here, and keep in mind that these are people that Paul has never met. Verse 1, how great a struggle I have for you. There's this outpouring of his heart. He's not just saying, I pray for you. There's actually this deep connection in some way in the spiritual realm. And my question to you is, do you have people that you are willing to struggle with in this journey? And do you have people that are willing to struggle alongside you? Now, why this is so important is this is Discipleship 101. Now, many of us probably think that discipleship is simply going to a Bible study or watching this video or joining us on Saturday nights and watching it from stage but it's walking along our, alongside each other in genuine care that I want to challenge us that to fight this content overload, that we have to really be in genuine relationship that really is where the life change happens. And then verse two, that your heart might be encouraged. And encouraged is this idea of giving support, confidence, and hope to someone. And during these hard times, giving them courage to fir stand firm in their faith. Now, I was on a run with uh, Phil and Gareth, and we were talking about what does it look like for us as, you know, on the older side, but also raising kids. What does it look like for us to be raising kids and for us to be standing firm in our faith? And we were talking about the idea that it's going to take courage, and courage is important. As somebody who's more fearful than fearless, as much as I wish I was fearless, like courage is kind of my, my word for this year. And we were talking about one of the most important things about having courage is somebody encouraging you, someone injecting courage into you. Do you have those people who are injecting courage in you to stand firm in your faith? Because you're going to need it. Listen, if you're, if you're not in that kind of community, let's get you in that kind of community. Let's talk after this because it's so important that we have people that are injecting courage into us. And the other part that's really important is that we're being knit together in love. And I love that language there, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. It seems like this is like 
the, he's setting up the case that this is the antidote for being deceived, is being knit together in love. And are we willing to be knit together in love? This language is so great because it's not saying uh, that you love someone. And, and we can run into that in Christian communities, right? We can say, hey, love you, bro. Love you, man. But those are just words in some ways until we actually commit ourselves to one another. So if we encourage one another and allow us to be knit together in love, we reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and knowledge. And Eddie talked about this in his sermon, The Power of We, right? And Paul, like most other places in the Bible, is pointing out the power of, uh, pointing out the power of living out this faith in community. Now, one of the struggles that we have in today's culture, and I want you all to hear this, is that there's a temptation to actually replace community with content. Think about that. There's a temptation to replace community with content. We are all kind of voyeuristically looking and watching these perfect relationships instead of having them, right? How many of us watch This Is Us? I have promised that I will never watch that show, but I know so many people love that show, and I'm sure it's a good show. But we're watching these other relationships. We're feeling connected to these people. Content and great storytellers know how to do that. They're drawing you in. But sometimes we can replace true community and be watching true community. And that's a, and that's a challenge that I want us to really think about. Now, the second point is to be rooted in your faith and not being deceived. We have to acknowledge that all wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. We know that Paul's main focus in many of his books, but, or in many of his letters, but in this one in particular, is making sure that Christ is central for the church. We understand that there are forces that are actually pulling us away from this idea of Christ being central. For the Colossians, it was this strong influence of polytheism and, and following your own desires. And it also these arguments within the church on what the traditions of Jewish law to freedom in Christ really meant. How do we transition that? Now we are facing our own forces of potential deceit and the things that we choose to watch and listen to. So some questions, how much news are we willing to watch? How much uh, violence and sex are we allowing into our home? How much are we really negativity are we allowing to really set in to our hearts? Anything that keeps us away from keeping Christ central is a challenge for us. Now this is so substantial to our spiritual development. We cannot miss this. Do we acknowledge in all things that true wisdom and knowledge that we need is in Christ? That means that we get to press in for the difficult marriages maybe that we're in or raising our kids and the difficulty that that has or maybe just a friendship that's on the rock or maybe a life change or a work life uh, decision that you have to have or, or where, where we're going to end up settling in our home. Like, are we bringing that and pressing that in, understanding that wisdom and knowledge is in Christ? Also, I want to challenge us that as Christians, sometimes we can begin to get more interested in self-help content or this idea of looking for content that really tells us the easiest way to make that decision. Or we could even find ourselves completely ignoring these tough conversations and these tough decisions by just popping on the Netflix, getting into that, that content overload, or even playing video games, which feels good at the, in the moment. But it seems here that Paul is telling us that when we press in, 
we'll find the wisdom and knowledge that we need. And we see this other places, right? Um, and we've heard this before. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Are we willing to pause the TV, turn down the noise, enter into true prayer, read the word, self-reflect, better yet, talk with other believers, sell everything that we have to find the treasure in which true wisdom and knowledge that is hidden in Christ? Okay, now point number three. We have to acknowledge that at any given moment, we are open to deceit, especially when we are consuming content at an unprecedented rate. Now this might seem obvious, but I want us to dig in deep on this. When we fill our lives with outside noise, we need to at least acknowledge that, we, that they, the artist, or whoever created that piece, are sharing a worldview. Now, I don't think, and some may disagree with me, and I think this would be a good conversation in community. I know I'm looking forward to our life group talking about this. But I don't think that that means that we only have to consume Christian content. But we must be at least reflective on the content that we are choosing to watch and listen to. So let's reread verse number four. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And then verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul doesn't seem to use language that says, avoid any conversation that doesn't exactly line up with your worldview. He's acknowledging that there are worldviews out there that can delude you or take you captive. So it's important for us to be aware of these worldviews and these influences of content and what they're doing to us and the impact that they're having on our lives. We have to be spending time asking, is this moving me away from Christ centrally? Or is it diluting my faith in any way? These are important questions for us to ask. And it's important for us to acknowledge that this, these worldviews are coming at us at an unprecedented rate. And going back to point two, we have to remember that God's word is the source of all truth and we need to be constantly evaluating all we do through, the biblical, through this biblical lens. So every good sermon, I believe, helps us have a couple points, but it helps us understand how do we unpack this together. So first, I want to make sure that, uh, that you don't believe that this sermon is meant to keep us from any secular content. But I want to challenge us to be reflective on what we are consuming. Like I said before, um, I think there's a great discussion there, but if we are going to consume content, we need to be reflective on it. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, speakers was sharing one time about uh, his sons, and this will age the conversation, but his sons wanted to listen to the new Smashing Pumpkin uh, album when they were teenagers. And there's always this thing when you're raising kids and always this, they're both sides. But he wanted to, instead of just saying, no, you're not allowed to do that, 
he came up with this idea that they were going to go buy the album. Yes, this was back in the days when you had to like go buy a CD from Target and that they were going to listen to it together. And what they were going to do is they were going to ask these questions of what is the artist saying about life and how does that line up or not line up with God's word and our worldview, right? What is the artist saying about life and how does it or not or doesn't it line up with God's word and our worldview? And I challenge us to do this in community. I think that oftentimes, um, Meg and I, we, we've been talking a lot about what we're consuming and why we're consuming it or what we're going to allow the kids to consume and, and not try to build this perfect uh, fence where they can't go outside of it, but rather have honest faith conversations about what are those worldviews that we're, gonna, we're getting bombarded with and how do we process that as Christians. So what does reflective mean? There's three things that I want to challenge us on today. And again, if you have that paper out, I hope you have that pen. And there's kind of three questions that I'm challenging us to ask that go beyond just what should we be consuming. The first question we need to ask is, how much content should I be consuming in general? I think it's different for each person, but how do you know when you've had enough? What are the limitations that you're going to put? What limitations do you need to put so that you actually have this thing called silence, which you know is something that we don't actually have, or this prayer life, or getting into the words. It's not a bad thing to consume content, but what are our limits? And each person may answer that differently. Second, then we ask, what content do I really want to watch or enjoy? And it's fine to just write it all down. Like, what content are you looking forward to watching or enjoying? What are you thinking about watching and enjoying? Because the, then we go a level deeper with the third question, which is, why would I want to watch that, listen to that, read that? What do I hope to gain from consuming that piece of content? So if we know what our levels are and we know what we're really looking forward to enjoying, which is not a bad thing, but then why we want to watch it and what we hope to gain, that's a real question that we need to be focusing on. Ultimately, we should be focusing on Verse number seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So how is this helping me be rooted? Building those deep roots that lead to nutrition, those deep roots that when the wind and the storm comes, that you're not going to get blown over. How are we looking for content that helps us be deep into the earth and rooted in that? How is this building me up in him and helping me be established in faith? This is an important question. How are we basically building that firm foundation where we're being established in faith? And then a question that I think is really important is, how does this make me more thankful? In general, if, if we are going to be different for the wor- world and actually be at our best self for the, for the world to serve and love them, we have to ask questions like, how is this making me more faith- thankful? How is this making me more joyful? How is this making me more loving? How is this making me more graceful? How is this making me more blank? Fill in the blank for what God has for you. Like maybe there's something that God's working in on you. Or maybe there's something that God's challenging you to, be, to, to really live out one of the fruits of the Spirit better. And, and we begin to say, okay, now if that's the truth, then what content am I doing to help me grow more in that blank? Now for Christian content, I want to ask, How are we balancing our faith in listening, learning, growing, 
and living. And so if we are consuming Christian content and it ends there, I think we are missing the point. I think if you read any of the Gospels, you would understand that, you're, that we're missing a point there. Also, how are we being reflective on that Christian content? Let's take Redeemed Sermons, for example, or even this sermon. Ironically, you watching this piece of content. I would make the case that the power of this sermon is in the reflection of this sermon, right? Not in the sermon itself. Look, there are a ton more gifted sermon givers or preachers out there that are on YouTube, Facebook, or TikTok, but that's why we push life groups so much here. How are you reflecting on these sermons in community so that they, that they are rooted and they build you up and establish you in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving? Look, I say this every time, but the world is going to get more complicated, faster paced, more intense, but our spiritual life should stay slow, deep, and rooted. And how do we do that? I make the argument that it's together. So I don't know who you are, but maybe you're watching this and you're a mature Christian and uh, this is an area that you've neglected. And, and Meg and I are, are in that boat with you. We're, we're figuring out what are the, how are we answering these three questions. And I want to challenge you to take this message to heart. Be reflected on the content that you're focusing on and begin to ask that deeper question of why. And two, maybe you're uh, new to, this fa- to faith and this isn't something that you really thought about or, or, or maybe you feel even guilt in this. This isn't a guilt trip. This is for you to be aware as you become established in your faith. And along the way, we want to pray for you if that's you. And then the third one is maybe you're exploring, you're exploring faith. And even if you aren't yet a believer, I think this is an important reality check for us all on how are we dealing with this content overload. And, and, and if you're exploring faith, I want to encourage you that don't do this alone. You know, you can hit us up on our website. You can comment uh, below wherever you're watching this. Um, or you can join us on a Saturday. And we love to just get to know you and to pray for you and help you understand how to unpack some of these things. So as we end here, I just want to pray that over us, that we would be people that are so uh, focused on making Christ central that we would begin to be reflective on what we are, uh, how we are helping our world, helping uh, really push content that's, that's pushing us away from God and rather focusing on how do we make Christ central. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for all that you have done in us and you are going to be doing through us. And Lord, help us to be rooted in you. Help us to be, to establish, to, to be focused on establishing our faith. And Lord, ultimately be people of thanksgiving for what you've done and what you're going to do. Lord, for all of us, help us to, to, to uh, encourage one another and help us to be knit together in love so that we can understand Uh, see all your riches and Lord that we would gain the understanding and the knowledge and the wisdom that comes through you. Lord will you just protect this body Lord? Uh, Will you protect from any outside forces that is, is, is looking to pull us away from making you central? Lord in each family that's watching and each person that's watching, Lord will you help them and give them time this week to be reflective on what you are calling them to do? on what you're asking them to do, on what uh, content they need to be consuming to become more like you. And it's all about becoming more like you. We love you with all that we are, and we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey everyone, I hope you have a wonderful week. We love you all. You can uh, hit us up at redeem.church or join us on Saturday nights at 6 p.m. for in-person services. So have a great week, y'all.